my wish, as a new partner, I want the best playwright ever. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Paladin a Lost Hour and also enjoyed uh, your holiday because we did take a week off. Uh, you know, we had to go frolic a bit out and out and out and about. And, uh, you know, there, there's cookouts, there's cooked meats. They had, they had to happen. We didn't want to lose an hour of cooked meats. Yeah. Did you do anything special? Because uh, the only thing I did that weekend is I went to a wedding, which it was fun in its own right. Um, that weekend I didn't, I mean, I kind of laid low, like we didn't really go anywhere. Um, but you know, I, since I had the week off, I ended up watching a bunch of stuff, which, you know, like, so, um, welcome everybody to strange highways. This is the podcast with which, which we watch twilight zone in order. Uh, we covered the original series and we've covered the Jordan Peele produced stuff. Now we're into the 80 series. Uh, and I think I've talked about this before. And I think I've talked to you, Terry, about this, like offline that there's just times where, you know, you have your schedule of like, I got to get this done for the podcast. It was nice having like a few days. Cause I actually had like a five day weekend, uh, due to things with work that I could be like, I can pick whatever I want to watch and just watch it. So it was almost like, you know, it's like you get to go to the store and get to pick out the, the one toy you want. So, you know, uh, so I was like, what do I do? And it's like, I almost got like couch locked by choice, you know, like I could watch everything or nothing at all. Like, but yeah, I ended up digging into a lot of stuff. So it was just kind of nice to have some downtime and just watch things like to consume and enjoy, but not have to worry about like, you know, having to remember things to talk about later, you know, like it's, 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 it's a weird machine, uh, that you kind of get, you know you get wrapped up in when you're just like consuming for podcast stuff. Yeah. I, I, I feel that way quite a bit. Now it's gotta be even weirder for you because you work in your office doing work and then you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do work for the podcast in the same room. Yeah, it's, it is true. I do work from home and my, my, uh, my office is also where we record the show. So there's a little bit of like, you know, it's, it was nice to also kind of get out of this room. Like, like, you know, this should be my fun room. It should be like, I have for a podcast. I have a gaming computer here. And it's like, now I'm just like, I need to leave this. Like, I'm like a cat, right? I just want to just, just get out of the room I'm in, you know, like sometimes, you know, and there's that balance. But yeah. So then I rush downstairs to another room with another screen and then watch stuff. So did I really escape? At least the chairs are comfier and there's air conditioning down there. So fair enough. Yeah. So, so yeah, I dug in a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think of anything relevant to, uh, to hear, um, for the show. Cause I know we talk about like a lot of anthology horror. Um, I have been watching, um, some Hitchcock. I've been catching up 
because I'm about to uh, go on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast in a couple of weeks talking about some Hitchcock. So I just figured there's some other things that I need to get into and um, ended up watching Psycho again and The Birds. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are amazing films and it's just kind of good just to kind of watch them just to watch how they unfold. And again, just to, to watch them at my own pace and not have to worry about like, you know, uh, critically thinking about them, you know, but those are still like psycho is, is a masterpiece and the birds is really, really good too. It's just knowing the trauma in that movie. It's kind of hard to watch like the last like 10 minutes of that. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember seeing it, uh, when I was a little kid and just like, birds freaked me out <laughs> i was like this is not good but then you know we had a bird at home and i was like so i communicated with him like we're cool right like you guys aren't gonna pull some shit are you <laughs> yeah and then they're like they're like sure until there's enough of them you know like, right. <laughs> one power is in numbers yeah one bird <laughs> one bird's not like not really a problem like that scene in the, the schoolyard where well yeah when um uh, the main character is just sitting there smoking a cigarette. She doesn't realize that like all the crows are landing on the playground equipment behind her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That becomes a problem, <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's, that's kind of what I've been getting into. Like that's neither here nor there, but yeah, people, you know what? And I, I'll say this too, for this show, if people, um, you know, are interested, there is, um, like at least seven episodes of Alfred Hitchcock presents or the Alfred Hitchcock presents hour. Like there's the half hour show. Then there's the hour long. He directed two hour long episodes and then five half hour ones. I I think it'd be wonderful to dig into some of that stuff on this show. Yeah. I, I, we've been circling that for a long time, especially considering I'm talking about certain actors and actresses. They participated either on both of those um, shows or on one or the other. And I think it would be nice to hear from our fans about maybe what maybe a suggested episode would be. So if you guys are listening, you love to either one of those series, let us know what you think we should listen to or watch. Yeah, rather. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's other good ones out there too. I just know that he specifically directed a few of those. So that might be, you know, all of it's going to be worth the time, right? Like, every, like everything's worthy of, of watching and discussion. Um, you know, regardless how I feel about it, um, not tipping my hand, but yeah, we're into the 80s series now here. Uh, it is season one, 80 series of the Twilight Zone. I, I know I kept said Twilight Zone like eight times, but you know, that's where we're at. Um, season one, episode eight, section A, uh, act break. Uh, air date is November 15th, 1985. Uh, as we talked about last, the beginning of the last, uh, well, episode seven, how I couldn't find anything like day and date related. So I think I read to you like what would the, the Playboy cover was. Uh, I decided, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do equal time. So I found the Playgirl cover from November '85. So <laughs> let me read to you uh, some of the stuff on here. Right? Uh, okay. It says um, entertainment for women. I, I do. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. I mean, or anybody. You know. Um, and instead of the bunny, it has like a little jaguar like running through the G. Like I, again, fair play. Special issue profiles on Wynton Marsalis, John Kennedy Jr., Michael J. Fox, Dan Marino, and dozens of other watchable men who are changing the face of America. You know, um, Dan Marino, famous for his role in Ace Ventura, and that's it. Uh, no. Uh, so then. We also have exclusive interview with Leslie Ann Warren and turns on her sexuality gallery of nudes. Top photographers showcase men as art plus sizzling pictorial Western Wranglers fashion focus, the equestrian look. I have no idea what that means. Health update, fight disease with diet. And then on the bottom right corner is it just says Clint Eastwood, Hollywood super legend. 
he just recently turned 92. So I guess that's worthy of note, but yeah, it is, uh, there's a lot of text on there. Um, but I just want to let people know you could own this for $4 and 20 cents, but it's currently out of stock. So just keep watching if you want it. Oh, geez. Well, and I was hoping to complete my collection too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know, I know you're a big Winton Marsalis fan. So that's why I figured, you know, um, I think he was, um, band leader for, um, the tonight show. Like I think he showed up for Jay Leno. I think he was the band leader there whenever he had the tonight show. But anyway, um, yeah, so there you go. That's, that's your, that's, uh, that's, that's what happened like, well, kind of for November, but also number one song, uh, the Miami vice theme by Jan Hammer. Uh, you know, everyone knows the Miami vice theme, like Miami vice is blown up big at this time. Uh, one, like one of the few songs like in, like in that time that was an instrumental to be number one, that's rare. And then also number one film, Terry, this is one of your favorites once bitten. Hell yeah. I love West Benton. It's a great film. Yeah. J- uh, Jim Carrey, early Jim Carrey. So that was even before, um, I believe that was before he was on, uh, in living color. color. Yeah. So, and then he would go on to be a, a, a minor co-star against Dan Marino and Ace Ventura, uh, pet detective. Um, never heard of him again. No. <laughs> so, so that's what I have for day and date. I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, I do have on the 13th, uh, there was a, a volcano that erupted. Um, it's a Nervato de Ruiz volcano, uh, killing an estimated 23,000 people. Oh, well, that was in Colombia. Well, that's, that's upsetting. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't be strange highways without us mentioning something horrendous happening on the day, uh, or nearby when an episode aired. Right. So there you go, guys. Um, a lot of people died and then play girl came out. Yeah, both obviously big, big deals. Um, one was a one's one's a complete like you know natural disaster, and then the other I was, I was going to make the joke. The other's a volcano. No, the, the other one's playgirl. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So okay, um, all right. So let's just get into uh, act break here. Let's get into who did what. Okay, so our director on here is uh, Theodore Flicking Flicker. I think it's Flicker. Uh, Flicker. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this was his last directing credit. Uh, but outside of that, we had two uh, episodes of Night Gallery and some Andy Griffith and uh, Dick Van Dyke as well. Yeah, he was a co-creator of um, a Barty Miller, which I know that was a, like a popular 70s like uh, cop, like dramedy. And okay. I, I, I know the name, but I've never really watched it. But I know it was kind of a big deal for its time. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing it myself either. But uh, And then on next year, we have our writer as uh, Haskin Barkin. Haskell Barkin. Yeah, I mean this, um, that's just a regular name, right? That just that rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I, I practiced that one earlier too. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, uh, this uh, this person is going to be uh, participating with three more episodes coming up. So we'll get to those sooner or later. Uh, and then also an episode of Tales from the Dark Side and an episode of Monsters. Yeah, I have him for multiple episodes of Monsters of Tales from the Dark Side. Also, he wrote what episode of Darkwing Duck. Uh, there you go. He did a lot yeah. of uh, Hanna Barbera cartoons, and he wrote jab- like some Jabberjaw. So there, there you go. Like you know, I mean, if you get you know, it's a living, right? So yeah. I mean, literally, that's the whole joke from the, the Flintstones, right? It's a living, right? So there, there <laughs> you go. He uh, had his, you know, had his writing credits all over the place, and good on him. Like you know, I mean, I, knowing knowing that they would write for monsters and tales from the dark side, that that feels kind of appropriate, like in terms of anthology horror. Uh, and then even with uh, Theodore Flicker directing some of the night gallery, it seems like it seems like there'd be some like good DNA here coming into this. Seems like. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, yeah. Uh, but uh, next year we got our cast. Uh, 
leading our cast is James Coco, who plays Mari Winkler. Winkler? Winkler. Winkler. Yeah. Winkler. I don't know. Yeah, like, Winkler. Like, like Henry oh. Winkler, like the Fonz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, was in uh, Muppets Take Manhattan and some episodes of Who's the Boss, and that's pretty much all I know of that career. He um, had a very like big um, stage presence, like Broadway like career, which makes sense when you see him here swinging for the fences with his performance. Uh, but his biggest, one of his big, biggest successes that he, uh, was with Neil Simon, uh, who wrote the, the last of the red hot lovers in 69, specifically for James Coco. It earned him a Tony award nomination as best actor. So, I mean, you know, Neil Simon wrote like the odd couple and, and other things that are failing me right now. So Neil Simon was a big playwright and James Coco had a lot of success there. And you could see, especially for this type of story, like, you know, he, Oh, um, he doesn't seem like he's that far afield of, um, Oh, what's his name? One second. Um, the bird cage, uh, once that, um, uh, Nathan lane, he doesn't seem that far afield of Nathan lane. You know what I mean? That kind of, um, exasperated and boisterous type of, uh, take. Okay. Yeah. I I I can see that. Like, so like, I'm not saying they're the same actor, but they both have theater backgrounds. I could see that kind of like that kind of, um, you know, approach. Let's just put it that way. Right. Okay. So then, uh, our next year, uh, next credit is, uh, Bob Dishy, uh, playing double duty in this, uh, episode. Uh, he plays Harry and then he also plays William Shakespeare. So we'll get to that later. But, um, other credits for this gentleman is, uh, my boyfriend's back, which is a, I think it's a good '90s uh, dark comedy that's like horror related. You ever seen it? I have not. I know. We, I think we've talked about it before. Um, yeah, you, yeah. I think you should check it out at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, and then also some episodes of Law and Order, and then a uh, terrible film, uh, Along Came Polly, <laughs> <laughs> which I've not seen, and I think I'm okay for that. But the, he was also in 1992. Stay tuned. Uh, oh, you, he was in that. Yeah, which I've not seen oh, that in no, forever. Goodness. I remember liking it as a kid. I'm sure it has aged terribly. Uh, I actually just recently made my watch my wife watch it. Oh, and it, did, I think it holds up. Oh, I was gonna say like, did, was that a punishment or like a like okay, you know, it's like, oh, the dishes aren't done. Tight. You're gonna watch. Stay tuned now. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I liked it, but you know, I whatever. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen it in forever. I just thought I remember has um was it Pam Dauber and John Ritter. Right, yeah, right. Ritter. Okay, yeah. And then the, the the dude who's in like uh, a bunch of uh, John Hughes films. Uh, he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The the principal. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Bad guy now, but um, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, and he's also been um, found out to do a lot of things that are terrible. So yes, correct. Um, so uh, less credit I have here is a uh, Avery. Schreiber? Schreiber? Yeah, I think Schreiber. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he plays the landlord. Uh, he was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula Dead and Loving It, and uh, some episodes of Days of Our Lives. Yeah, so he also has a lot of like like a lot of TV work, of what you mentioned, a lot of animation work, so he did a lot of voice stuff. Uh, he was in 1981's film Caveman. That's the one with Ringo Starr. That is terrible, uh, but it's kind, of, it's kind of a train wreck. It's a comedy, but it's not good, but it's also weird. Anyway, and he was also in 11 episodes of the series My Mother the Car. Um, yeah, ver- a, a varied career, right? So... That's what, that's all I got from him. 
Yeah, and then and that was the end of our cast, unless you had somebody else. Oh no, <laughs> like, I, I, well, I walking got walking down the street. I yeah, I got, I got. Yeah, of the eight thousand people that just shoved past everybody at the beginning. No, I don't have anybody else. So, yeah, let uh, let's let Mister Aiden Aidman take it away here for act break. Maury Winkler, struggling playwright and occasional bill payer. Maury knows all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. What Maury doesn't know is he's about to take center stage in an off, off, off Broadway production in the Twilight Zone. So, okay, uh, I'm going to just like, one of the things we do here on the show is that when something just feels like, you know, it, it's just like, what just happened? This is like, this is a dud. We talk about pulling the ripcord and it used to be like, we'd have like this uh, emergency in, in case of emergency break glass, like once a season, this has been, this has been some tough going for me, man. I gotta be honest. Like I, I'm super happy. We're getting into the age twilight zone and I'm super enthusiastic to talk to you about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I thought maybe we took like one of the heaviest hits to the chin with, if she dies the earlier segment, this one really tested my patience for only being 14 minutes. It really did. Um, well, I'm right there with you yeah. on that, too, because I was like, I don't know if I need to watch it a second time because it was just, I don't, it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate it. <laughs> I, could, I just couldn't do it, man. Well, I, once I realized what was going on in the back of my mind, like there, like there was like, you know, I was kind of cackling at like, oh, Terry's going to be pissed at this one. Like I just... <laughs> Because it was like one of those things I just knew uh, because it's dealing with uh, playwriting and then we get Shakespeare as a joke. And I'm like, wow, how in the hell did the Twilight Zone think that like revisiting something adjacent to the Bard was a good idea? Why, you know, as another comedy episode, why would they think that, you know what, we need to go back to that season four episode from the original series that everyone loves that, you know, had Shakespeare kind of front and center and kind of do a take on that. You know, people kind of want a remix of that, right? That's what kids are into these days. Who who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, right. Like, well, we didn't quite nail it the first time around. So maybe <laughs> if we just twist it a little bit, just just move it a little to the left and then, and then people I mean, will love it. At least chop the runtime down by like 30 minutes. So thank Christ for that. Um, so, <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Like again, like it's this this becomes a thing. So like, okay, so let me just give the broad strokes here. It's a 15 minute segment. It's available. You guys can find this on um, you know, you can find it on YouTube. I mean, again, I think the journey, so you gotta take every step in the journey. So you you, you know, like you take the good, you take the bad, you know, you you whatever. Take the real bad. You take the real uh, bad, and that's the the facts of the show. Uh but um you you know, so once, once through, like you got to pay your dues, right? You just can't go through and be like, I want to cherry pick all the best stuff. Nope. You got to dig through the, the dirt like this. Right. So, um, Maury is a man who, um, he is behind on rent. Uh, the landlord who looks like a fishmonger, who looks like Mario, Mario of the Mario brothers is chasing <laughs> Mario. Yeah. I thought like, it was you thought it was, uh, um, um, Lou Albano, like a uh, rubber Lou Albano from the, the, uh, Albano Al Al Albano sounds like bathroom Albano. I think, uh, yeah. Rubber Lou Albano, not Albano. Is that was yeah. that Lou? Yeah. I, I thought, oh man, I didn't, I didn't Pretty realize sure that, that was him in that WWF show. WWF fame. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to look this up, but his, his last name isn't El Banyo. I'm sorry. That is terrible to say. So, um, <laughs> uh, cause it's like, it's, that's his a rubber Lou bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> and it looked just like the dude. Yeah. So I was just like, why is Mario Mario, uh, chasing him? Um, yeah. Lou <laughs> Albano. 
um, was Mario. So there we go. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so he has, he's like, where's my money? Where's my money? And it's like, it's confusing. Cause he's a landlord, also a fishmonger, it, whatever. And then Mario's like trying to wave him off. And then, and, 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 um, the landlord's like, listen, he's like, you're too much behind. Like when, like how long does it take you to write these plays? And he's like, well, if you leave me alone, it will, if you don't leave me alone, it's going to be three months. And then the, one of the few things that's kind of pointed in this, he was like, how long does it take you to write these? And he's like six months a year. And he's like, don't they just close after one night? That was actually the one decent joke. In, in this, right? Because you get Maury kind of waving him off. He goes up stairs to his office or apartment or wherever, and he's there with his writing partner, uh, um, Harry, right? And so they're back and forth trying to write the second act. And, you know, it's just, you're, it's supposed to be these comedy beats of like, these are terrible ideas. We got to get this done and all this stuff. We're under the gun. And it's like, there's a lot of banter back and forth. But what it eventually gets down to is that. Harry has an idea, and as he has inspiration in him, he's suffering through a heart attack as Mari's typing at the typewriter, right? And then as Mari, sorry, as Harry is dying, Mari eventually realizes that then Harry happens to mention, oh, the blue, he's like, oh, I have this amulet that these monks gave me after surviving an um, airplane crash, and they said it gives me, it, it gives you one wish. And he's like, "I my wish was to survive that. You can make me live by, you know, uh, wishing for me to be alive. So then Maury, being, you know, selfish, uh, decides that, you know, I, I really want to have a successful writing partner. <laughs> like, like I just, you know, it's it's the most Twilight Zone thing in the world. It's like you get one wish, right? And he even calls out, he's like, why? He's like, why one? I thought that was kind of funny to point out that trope, right? And then he wishes for, uh, like, you know, he wants a better writing partner. And he lets, he lets Harry die, right? And... Kind of, kind of a dick move because neither one of them are good playwrights. Yeah, and uh, I, this scene is so stupid, like so stupid. I know it's, you know, they're trying to go for the comedy aspect, um, you know, and it's like it's just so ridiculous because here's um, Mari talking to himself and like just like really like laying out what his plan might be in that, and then Harry looks up, he's like, "Well, are you going to do it or not?" You're gonna, it's like, yeah. It's like he came back from the dead just to do it for a, you know, say that one line. And then he kills over again. It's like, this is stupid. This is really stupid. No, it was like, what was it? That bit in the Simpsons, uh, Triositaire, whatever, uh, it was the vampire one, whenever Homer kills Mr. Burns. And he's like, Oh, like something about like, Oh, is the curse over? Is it done? And then all of a sudden he burns, like comes back alive for a second. He's like, and you're fired. And he goes back to being dead. Like, you know, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, then we get, you know, Maury, Maury's wish comes true and he ends up, uh, we find he goes back to, you know, ye old England and he's in, um, He's near a struggling um, William Shakespeare who, um, you know, to to the credit of the episode, it looks like he was kind of stuck in the mire of writing like historical based plays because a lot of his stuff was, you know, like he got your, he wrote a lot of things based upon Kings and things, but he was kind of bored of it. And, and more, he's like, oh, you know, you got to write something like Hamlet and Shakespeare's like Hamlet. Hamnet or whatever. And it was like this stupid thing back and forth, back and forth. And what, what Maury realizes is that he's been brought back. Cause he's like, I want the best writing partner and his best writing partner is Shakespeare. But he also realizes that throughout history, no one's going to remember him. So he realizes he's going to be the silent partner to Shakespeare. And somewhere along the way, Shakespeare grabs the, the necklace from Maury and is like, what, what was the exact thing he said? Um, uh, you know, he, um, he wishes for Maury to be his writing partner or something in that, that type of 
whatever. Like I think he said, I wish for you to write my stories or whatever. Something like that. And then all then all of a sudden all of the, the works of Shakespeare are now in Maury's head and he knows it word for word. And he's like, ah, fine. And so he, you know, he's now the one sitting there, like you're basically writing with a, you know, a, a pen and paper and writing out all of this for Shakespeare and Shakespeare's going to get the credit and Maury's not. And, um, you know, that's it, you know, like, and that, that's, that's the whole thing. And at the end, like we hear like a little bit of like this medieval type of music playing and we get like a little bit of the twilight zone theme, which is okay, but that's the end. That's your episode. That's it. And this might be one of the shortest, um, the run throughs of the plot that we've ever done. I, I'm, I'm not complaining. And I mean, I apologize to the listeners that you're like, Hey, we're used to one hour of nonsense. Well, I'm sorry. I just, there's not much nonsense here. I mean, there is, uh, Terry, save me. Yeah, there's not really anything else we can say about it. There wasn't like any more dialogue that we can mention that would be worth mentioning. It's just, it's a pretty straightforward storyline. And I honestly thought it was a terrible episode. And I mean, I don't like to say that. I don't like to be like, just, well, I didn't like it. So it sucks. <laughs> it's honestly, it's just, it's not funny. It's, I think it's just poorly written. And again, like we don't need essentially a, a remake of the Bard. Like we already had to watch something that is so damn close to this from the original series. Why would we? Why should we retread that same ground if it's a terrible episode? I thought it was terrible, but maybe somebody out there was like, "The Bard is amazing," but it doesn't seem that way when I look up a lot of different like best of lists. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that that's fair. I just know like, and, and uh brief aside, like, um, was, uh, we have a mutual friend who invited us into a, like a Facebook page that was for like twilight zone fans. And it's like, cool. Maybe that will help. Like maybe we'll like, cause you know, like all, you know, advertise, Hey people, we do a twilight zone podcast. Maybe like, but I started looking at all this stuff and it's like, and it's like, you like what you like. And I can't tell somebody like you, what you like is wrong. Cause that, that's, you know, that's not you, you like what you like. Don't show somebody else's like liking of things, right? That's not fair. Right. But some of the takes that people were posting about episodes that I were, th I thought were complete train wrecks. I'm like, I don't know if this is the group I wanted to be part of. So I, um, <laughs> I quietly exited the group. Like I wasn't going to get into it and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry that you are wrong. <laughs> you know, like I didn't want to do that. So, I mean, some people may be able to forgive like this kind of like lighthearted fair. I, again, um, even, even that, um, that silly segment we saw a couple weeks ago with the magic lamp, uh, wasn't perfect, but at least there was a couple bits in there that were okay. You know, like I'm maybe in hindsight that felt like masterpiece compared to this. Uh, but you know, I'm not like, I think comedy can belong in the twilight zone. Absolutely. Um, I just haven't seen too many examples of it working correctly or well, I should say not correctly. Yeah. It's this one was just not not working for me at all. And then I think it was also kind of a ridiculous choice for when he got poofed into olden times with Shakespeare, that he has these luscious locks of hair now. And like, he's wearing the garb, like the old school garb that people would wear back in the day too. I'm like, I would have rather have seen him just appear there. Cause like, he's going to have all this information. He's going to be a stranger to Shakespeare. I mean, he even pointed out the fact that he, he talked differently than, yeah. he, uh, than himself. So it's like, he, why did we have to put the, you know, those clothes on him and that and give him the long hair? 
I mean, realistically speaking, the type of English that Maury would speak and the type that Shakespeare would speak would be almost unrecognizable to each other, you know, in a lot of ways. So yeah, that would have been something, right? But like, if, if if the whole thing is like, you know, the wish is like, I'm I, I like I'm I wish for the best writing partner. Like, what if they would have pulled Shakespeare? I mean, that would have been the Bard pulling into the modern age. But like, he's useless because it like the world has changed, and anything he's going to write now is just going to sound like it's aping Shakespeare, you know, which is kind of what the Bard did. But at least in this case. He would have been like, I think he would have been saddled with like, well, that's my wish. And I, I have to live with this now, like type of thing. I don't know. Like, and then it'd have been funny if like, he would have had him and Shakespeare working for the fishmonger at the end. That's it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Working for Mario, Mario, uh, you know, uh, rubber Lou Albano, not, uh, Albano as I keep saying. So, so yeah, that's, um, I, I just, I was trying to think if there was any, like, if there was anything else like tangentially related to this, that, that you and I could dig into and I just, nothing really came to mind of like, like relevant to this. Like, uh, we've seen the, be careful what you wish for, which I'd almost say that's like one of the unspoken themes of the twilight zone. Right. Um, but we've seen uh, multiple genie stories. We had one this season already. And then like, uh, you know, it's just, it, nothing will ever top uh, the one guy uh, becoming a, like Hitler by accident, though. You know, <laughs> from Man in the Bottle. I don't know if that. I don't know if there's the, the the biggest. Be careful what you wish for, but that's a pretty big one. So I I don't know about this. It's just I watched it, got to the end. And I'm like, well, there we go. And because I go through it up so a second time to get images and audio, and I'm like, I why is it this 15 minutes felt longer than a lot of things I watch? Like it was like really we've only been in this for four minutes. I'm dead now. I'm a skeleton sitting here waiting for the, this episode to, end, to finish a second time segment. Sorry. Right. Yeah. No, I, it, it felt that way to me too. I was just like, I just, I knew where we were going with yeah. it. And I the, just the type of comedy that they were trying to pull off. And this, I was like, no, just, <laughs> just no. I mean, not to, again, not to color, um, like, you know, cause it's, it's, it's easy to judge something here, versus like against what had previously, you know, been in place like Palo lost hour wasn't perfect, but at least there's something to chew on. And then the segment before that, uh, you know, was it teacher's aid that was just goofy. So at least there was enough there to like get into like, why is this happening? But this was like, this felt like, I don't know, like I, I like I, Phil DeGear, who is the executive producer of the Twilight Zone in the 80s, feels like a gentleman that kind of has his head on straight from a lot of his commentary tracks that I've been listening to on the the DVD set that we have. Um, seems like a pretty level-headed guy. Seems like he was trying to be respectful of the original series in a lot of ways, but also not afraid to like go in different directions, which I respect that. But it almost feels like, oh, well, the original series fell on its keys a couple of times with these comedy episodes. That's cool. You know, like, I don't know, like got to pay homage to the original series by having, uh, got like, so help me God, Terry, if there's a guardian angel episode coming into the season, I'm just going to throw my <laughs> monitor out a window, um, as we're watching it, it's going to, it's yeah, going gonna to really rough me up. I'll be like, but that was one. Okay. That's one of the jokes too. I didn't capture the audio whenever the one, the, his plate was at Harry was like, maybe they fall out a window. And then Maury's like, Oh, people like the joke was it's a one story window, but he was like, people don't die by falling out of windows. I'm like, Maury, you've not been watching the twilight zone. 
That's like the biggest cause of death in the Twilight Zone. And I was really, really hoping they were making a commentary about how everybody falls out a window, but they really didn't go there. That was the one joke that could have worked. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And <laughs> I, I wish we would have had somebody die in this, this episode. Honestly, <laughs> well, we did. somebody else. Oh, I was gonna say we did have one death of the three cast members. One of, well, yeah, one of them died, and then he came back as Shakespeare later. Which I didn't. I'll be honest, man. Until I went back and took the cast and crew notes, I didn't realize that was the same actor. I mean, I didn't really care. I just didn't realize it was the same guy. Yeah, I, I, it didn't stand out to me either. So yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Do you have any other notes or anything before we? No, uh, that's okay. that's it, man. I do. <laughs> I just. I my one of my very first notes was a fat man on the run with the sandwich, and I wrote, "I feel attacked." So I thought that was important to mention. I uh, like how he just shoves the sandwich in the bag and runs away, and then how every person in New York doesn't care that you're standing still and they're going to run through you. Also, you're going to run through a guy that's holding a fish and a knife. I, man. Like I, like I've been in situations where people just keep moving, but that's a questionable decision right there. That I'll throw that out there. That made me really curious too. Like why, what's this dude with the knife doing here? Actually, but then when they, we find out he's a landlord, I'm like, is this supposed to be a, like a, you know, him flexing, you know, like, yeah. Hey, you better have my money or else. Well, that, that's what I thought too. And it's like, but then he also pointed out there's that really nice car, but there was also the, the, the comment later that Maury said that he's like, I'd like to live in a place that doesn't smell like low tide, which I thought was kind of, that was a decent joke knowing that his landlord's a fishmonger, you know, but I, so I'll say this too. I think, um, I think James Coco took this and just chewed it up and ran with it because this is a person who's supposed to be a playwright and to be very dramatic and like, like, sorry, overly dramatic as in like, it's the end of the world and whatever, you know, like I think he played this. I mean, exactly how it was supposed to be played. I'm not saying I liked the writing of the episode. I think his performance was okay because that, that every person in this was called upon to do exactly what they did. Um, I don't agree with the episode, but I think their performances fit what they're trying to do. I just don't like what they're trying to do. If that makes sense. And that's where I kind of saw the, the, the problem really in line with the beginning, like, you know, from the, the script, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was the biggest problem here. <laughs> Yeah, just I don't know. Like it's almost like the use of the necklace is almost as as nonsensical as the the healing stone and uh healer that we talked about earlier this season. Right. You're like, "Okay, great. Is uh Eric Bogosian going to show up again?" Like, "Hey, I know about a white rock that does weird shit too." And it's like, "You do?" Like, the, you know, whatever anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that that's going to do it for our discussion uh of um uh yeah, what act break. I almost forgot the name. That tells you a lot. We've only been doing this for 30 minutes. Uh as we do here on the show, we got we just got to rate that twist. Uh, twist rating here is one through five. Uh, does not speak to the episode, but one being we saw it coming from a mile away. Five being uh, mind blowing. Um, the the <laughs> the moment an ambulance got involved and a wish was coming, I was like, I'm, I'm just like, well, all right, this is stupid. It's a one. Like I just I just knew whatever was going to happen was not like I. It's just one of those things. It's like you you're not going to give me something at all that's going to blow my mind. Just it, I didn't care. Like I did not care. So I'm like, oh Shakespeare, cool one. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a two on that because I'm like, I didn't really under, like, I, I, could, I couldn't have suspected that, like, the the writing partner was going to die. Okay. And then pull out this amulet right away. I didn't expect that. That's fair. That's that's fair. If that's the twist, that's fair. Uh, did you? There's a John Candy movie from the 80s or early 90s called Delirious. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I've never seen it. No, it's he is a soap opera writer that I think ends up where he ends up like in a car crash, something kind of like um, like misery style, and he ends up in the fictional town that he writes the soap opera for. And if I remember right, he figures out that he with well, he probably is typewriters so that anything he writes comes to pass in the town of the hmm. soap opera he's in. Um, I don't, maybe I don't have the details entirely right, but I remember being, um, like there's a joke where he, um, was drunk at the typewriter and, uh, he wrote something and then you see these reindeer come in covered in snow. He was like, it was a typo. I meant to say ice cold beer. Like I thought that was funny, you know? So instead of ice cold deer, I thought that was, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that movie's better than this, but it almost kind of like, I was kind of hoping for this to kind of be like that typewriters of the gods type of thing to happen a little bit, but we didn't get it. Yep, and what we did get sucked. So, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, like, guys, everybody, everybody listening to the show, Terry is the one that wants to be the more positive person. Like, he always... I try. Like, I try, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that I'm like the, like, you know, the hater, right? But you always try to take everything face value and try to find, like, you know, the goodness in something. So, what I, like... So when I knew I, when I knew that this was going to just fall flat for you, I was like, I felt kind of bad because one, you know, we commit to this and be like, hey, Terry, do you want to talk about a thing you didn't like for a while? And how, like, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's to tell everybody listening, it, it, if, if Terry isn't feeling it, that says something because he generally tries to find like, like positives in everything he approaches. And that's something I, like, I, I truly appreciate about you. And that'd be, that makes it sound like all I want to do is find negatives. I don't know, but you know, I'm my, my, um, my patience is a little bit more, um, thin I'd, I'd say than some of our, so you and some of our friends for finding good in things. Oh, I can, I, I can attest to that. I, I know some of his people and <laughs> their opinions and that, but no, I think that there's so many podcasts that are, that exist in this world that just, all it is, is just hateful punching down. Yeah. And I don't yeah. agree with that. Yeah. We don't need we don't need to be those guys, and I don't like to be that guy when I'm talking to people either. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, like um, there we I know we had a review a while ago where someone's like, "Oh, they're they're very reasoned," but like, and when something's bad, they'll call it out. I think that's where we're at with this, right? Like we we want to celebrate the show, and we have been celebrating the show, and we're always hoping that the next corner we turn is going to be mind blowing, right? And be like, "This is why we're here," and I'm sure we're going to get some of those, right? Like this thing couldn't have existed for three seasons without like some like you know some humdingers, right? Like, right here's. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that as more on like r- hope, you know, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Praying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there's some good stuff coming. Like I've seen some of these later episodes. I, we're in for some treats. Right. So, but yeah, this didn't, this didn't work. Right. So we have two other segments in this episode though. So maybe, maybe there's winners there too. Right. So, um, all right. So yeah, uh, you guys could find us um, on um, uh, Facebook, uh, Strange Highways. Uh, we're always posting images there. Uh, if you want to see some uh, pictures of some floating watches, you can go check that out right now uh, from Powell and the Lost Hour. Uh, you guys could, um, you know, uh, email us directly. If again, if there's uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents or the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, like we talked about that earlier, if there's episodes there that you want us to cover or anything else anthology related, uh, let us know on Facebook or email us directly at Strange Highways Podcast Gmail.com. That'd be greatly appreciated. And wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Um, So I was looking to try to see if we had any other new um, reviews recently, because we always tell people to rate and review us. I I haven't seen anything. Not that 
that's not, I'm not saying how dare everybody not like post about stuff. It's really, really hard to figure out how to, how to rate and review podcasts. You know, like, like it seems like everywhere I check, it's like, it seems almost impossible to actually review rate things. But if you guys are able to please do so. And then I fell down this rabbit hole here. I found like at least eight to 10 other twilight zone podcasts. And I immediately felt threatened. <laughs> I'm just like, who are you? What are you doing here? You know, like, so yeah, get, get off of our uh, yeah. internet turf. Okay. It's just like, I started, I just started um, pissing all over things just to mark my territory. I was just like, you get out of here. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was, yeah, no, but it was like, I looked, I was like, Oh, we're not original. We're hacks like everybody else, but I hope we're enjoyable hacks. And speaking of that, Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram as well, folks. Uh, check us out over there. Give us some likes and follows and that. Um, doing some fun stuff over there. Maybe Facebook isn't really your cup of tea anymore. Check us out over there. See what else. See if you like that. I don't know. And we're I also like we're on, like we're on Spotify, correct? Right. We are, and yeah. you can. Um, I think it was about six months ago or so they integrated a new rating tool on there. It's only as simple as like a one to five star rating, but. Hopefully uh, you like us enough to give us five stars. You'll be like, I was going to give you five stars until you talked about my favorite segment of all Twilight Zone act break. Now I'm giving you no stars. <laughs> I'm taking them all back. Taking them all back right now. It's like, how dare you insult uh, fishmongers and mispronounce uh, Lou Albano's name? That's what's no. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's going to do it for that discussion. Um, what are we? What are we talking about next? And now, Mister Serling. Uh, next episode we're getting into is uh, season one, episode eight, segment B, The Burning Man. The title alone already sounds better than what we just talked about. So yeah. here's hoping, right? And Piper Laurie's in it. So I'm pretty excited to see what she does in this episode. Yeah. So that's what we're going to get into next week. Everybody have a good week. Uh, you know, have a safe week. Um, uh, we all, we just, we, we worked our way through this. We should all pat ourselves on the back, uh, sit back, um, you know, have a festive beverage, um, pat, you know, a snack, you know, cause we all, we all, we've all deserved that we've earned it coming through, uh, act break. Uh, so yeah, that's like, I don't know. I usually try to say something clever, but there was nothing clever in this episode. So yeah, there we go. I'm proud, proud of us, man. We did it. <laughs>